another episode of Glowing Weak Point, the show where we talk about games and other things and stuff. I, I'm your host, John, and with me as always, my co-host, Wombat. Am I the co-host or the host? Because it feels like sometimes I'm the host and sometimes I'm the co-host. I mean, you're you're also a host. I am hosting this, but you are also hosting this. So you are a host. But also a co-host. But but you're the co-host, because you're also the host. But I'm not a co-host. Neither of us... No. Neither of us is the hostest with the mostest. That's, that's what it comes down to. But I do like a hostess cake. They're okay. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> They're just okay. If you put okay. one in front of me, if you put one in front of me, I'm gonna eat that. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's no way you're not going to eat that, but, right. <laughs> you know, I, I've never had a Twinkie in my life. Same. <laughs> they're, they're, they're raved about, but I have never eaten a Twinkie in my life. I think I've eaten every uh, hostess cake but a Twinkie. You've had a ding dong? I have had a ding dong. Oh, you know what? I haven't have had, had a had snowball a... though because it's filled with fucking coconut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a not a huge coconut person. What about a ho ho? I've had a ho ho. Okay. What about a zinger? Oh, definitely a zinger. Okay. Uh, honey bun? Oh, everybody's had a honey bun. Come on. I haven't had a honey bun. There's a joke about honey buns in the movie Mulan. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes, there is. Okay. I can't have Hostess products because they're all poison to me. Eddie Murphy says, Um, let's go kick some honey buns. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm more of a, a Little Debbie person myself. I like a Little Debbie, too. Like this. Yeah. I think I actually prefer uh, Little Debbie. I think they have better I mean, overall. Yeah, they're just good. Yeah. Um, I like a zebra cake. Let's see. Oh, zebra cakes are great. And Nutty Buddies. I love Nutty Buddies. I'm not a huge fan Nut- of Nutty Buddies. I think it's too much okay. peanut butter. Oh, see, I love peanut butter. So that's not a problem for me. I see. Um, pecan spin wheels. Mm. Uh, too nutty for yeah. I don't like a nut. I don't like a nut either. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, mean, I do. I do, but I don't. I, I like nuts like by themselves, but once you put a nut in something else, I'm like, I don't want that. What about Swiss rolls? Oh, Swiss rolls. They're my favorite. Those are my favorite. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> There's There is no prepackaged Ch- snack better than a Swiss roll. I I will agree with that. <laughs> I mean it's it's chocolate cake wrapped around marshmallow dipped in chocolate. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's it's just it's good. Great. Yeah. Okay. Now, the the key thing to remember here is is that with with all things that have a chocolate coating on them, they're better after they've been frozen. Yes always yeah always in fact chocolate is just better after it's frozen pull pull some chocolate out of the freezer amazing anyways hey uh what's the glowing point of your week god damn it is it going to to be (laughs) 
Uh, oh, what do you think it's going to be? Oh, I was I was saying, is it going to be when you leave here to go to the store and buy some Little Debbie cakes? Oh, no. No. My, the glowing point of my week is two light novels. Uh, so oh, I, okay. I finished the third uh, So I'm a Spider, So What novel this week. And okay. amazing. I mean, not as good as the first two, honestly, because it, it did a lot with the human characters that I just don't have as much care for. Yeah. But it's also the I book that. Th- it's also the book that included uh, a spider versus dragon fight. So <laughs> That's pretty badass. It's fucking amazing. It's I love it. So that was great. And then after I finished that, I started reading the first Banished from the Heroes Party, I Now Live in the Countryside book. Oh, okay. Is uh, You'll have to tell me if that's better than the uh, anime. Uh, so far, it's about on par. There's not much okay. difference between the two. It's a very easy read. You you really flow through the pages. like. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not exactly a uh, groundbreaking anime either. No, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's getting more and more interesting, really. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, we could we could take a second to talk about that. Um, it's... Uh, I did not expect the uh, sister, the hero, yeah, the to hero just show, to up, show up, up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when they did, I didn't expect to, in that same episode, them meet. I expected it to be like some will-they-won't-they-meet, you know, just missing each other six times through town, and then... Which is what it was in a couple for episodes. an episode. Yes, but one ep- like, half an episode. And then I was like, oh yeah, and now they've met. At the end of the episode, they just, they meet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> They they got I, they got through mm. the bullshit real quick. Yeah, <laughs> which you know I'm I'm happy with. Yes, I'm glad yeah, they didn't drag seen, it out for twenty episodes or some shit. Yeah, we've seen that before. I don't think that this anime is going to do this differently or better than any of the hundreds of movies and other anime that have done the same thing. No, <laughs> so it's actually just, more just, interesting for them to just immediately pull the plug yeah yeah so and, and now she's just there yeah <laughs> and and also also with a friend tise is amazing i oh i, I love her <laughs> i was kind of was... so so on tise up to that point like whatever this is just like a, a dumb character in the heroes party like whatever i didn't i didn't I care was about the worried about party. tise <laughs> I was worried about Tisei, because we already know that the mage is evil. Yes, Ares is totally like the, fucking evil. <laughs> Ar- Ares needs to just fucking die. I loved the episode where it showed the flashback when Gideon left. Uh-huh. And, um, and the sister, the hero, like, Ares comes in and tells her, and then she just fucking kills him. She just fucking explodes the hell out of him. Yeah, and then, you know, breaking through her him. hero's like, blessing to to destroy the shit out of him for a second. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, ah, that pisses me off. You're now gone. <laughs> and now that you've experienced hole in the side of his body. 
<laughs> yeah. And now that you've experienced death, here, I'll heal you. And Don't now ever do anything like that again. Yeah, now you know what I can fucking do to you. Fuck with me again and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, such a giant douche canoe. But anyways, we knew that he was bad. So and we know and, that and Ganon brought, is kind of cool. Yeah, and we know that Tisei was brought in by Ares. Yeah. So and she's a assassin. So like, there's there's so much piling up against Tisei. And then and then we're like, oh cool, she's she's actually not bad at all. Like, she's, she's just, actually she's just she's a really actually the cool character to, we thought she was. Yeah, she's <laughs> really cute and a good friend to Rudy. Yeah. Is great. Anyways, so moving on, my glowing point of my week was going to be the movie, but I decided that I needed to talk about more than just Destiny 2. So I moved that over to the games played section so that I could talk about it there. So having to come up with something different. Uh, I'll pick two things. Okay. One, I've eaten some hot pots this week. Oh, you posted pictures. I love me a hot pot. Yeah, I love me some hot pot. Yeah, hot pots are pretty good. I like a hot pot. Yeah. And uh, the second thing is I've I've been doing a lot of holiday gift purchasing. And while I've got some, some cool things I'm working on right now, they're for people that are old enough that they could listen to this. So I'll talk about uh, the thing I got that makes me a bad uncle. Um, because they're not young or they're not old enough to listen to this. Uh, so we went to the store and we needed some stuff for uh the three nieces okay. for one side of the family, and we we're looking through all the toys because, like, you know, what what do they have? What do they need? We we're looking at Legos and stuff. Legos are great for everyone, and then we went to the next aisle and we found the Nerf guns. See, I have to disagree. Legos suck, but Nerf guns are awesome. Well, okay. I What the fuck? You're just going to come at me like that? Legos suck? Yes. What the hell? Legos suck. I hate I hate <laughs> Legos being around the house. I think I think I picked this up from my mom because my mom didn't like Legos and so we never had Legos at the house. But that's a tragedy. But but as an adult, I see her point. Um, children with Legos are the worst children because they just leave Legos everywhere. And then you step on them. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just not leave Legos everywhere. Not all children are garbage. A lot of children clean up after themselves. I don't know any and children also, like that. Also, Legos are a creative outlet, and they uh, work with uh, problem-solving skills, and they're they're great. They're great. Uh, buy Legos. Legos are good for for everyone, including adults. I buy Legos. That's why for they myself. can. Uh, that's why they can have a copy of Minecraft, but they can't have Legos. <sighs> you want people online? Also, Minecraft isn't a good game unless you're playing with other people, and then you're doing multiplayer, and you don't want your kids playing multiplayer. <laughs> people people on the internet are terrible just look at us um, i mean they can play multiplayer with their friends that's fine 
all people on the internet are are, are assholes, yeah, including I your to, friends. I played RuneScape with, the same uh, with middle school friends when I first played RuneScape. That was that was how I got into it. <laughs> um, so we we looked at the Nerf guns and and we ended up getting off-brand Nerf guns. Ooh, why? Uh, because they're about six times cheaper. Okay. <laughs> Nerf, I mean, fair enough. Nerf. Nerf is expensive. Also, like, all of the, like, legit Nerf guns were either, uh, single shooter, smaller than the size of my hand guns, or, uh, belt-fed, um, (laughs) like, monstrosities. Ugh. And while those are cool, and they're super fun... The kids, the, the nieces we're buying these for are all less than double digits. I'm sorry, wait, are there Nerf guns that use bandoliers? Yes, yes. How? What? Yeah, there, there are there are belt-fed Vulcan, um... <laughs> multiple need, rounds per second Nerf guns. I need a they're bandolier great. Nerf gun. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Um... So we, we, we went for these these off-brand ones, and, and as, another reason was the Nerf guns had, like, a really high um, FPS, and we know that the higher the FPS, one, the straighter and more accurate, two, the uh, farther it'll go, three, the harder it's gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so it, we went for these, these other ones, which, which were a lower rate of fire. And then, since we were we we bought a multi pack, and then we were going to split them up and give give them to you know different children from the same pack. Uh, we we figured we'd test it. Uh huh. And they hurt still. They hurt. St- <laughs> Great. Yeah, you know, we I <laughs> I shot my wife, and she was like. Ow! And I was like, ow? Like, it hurts? And she's like, yeah. And so I handed it to her, and she shot me in the back, and I was like, ow! <laughs> that stings! Listen, we can no longer post this episode, because I think you just admitted to a crime. <sighs> no. <laughs> no. I shot my wife! She's, she's not dead. Yet. Um, so... <laughs> yet. Yeah, no, it's... it's I'm worried that I'm a bad uncle because I'm giving these these really fun things, but it might hurt them, and uh, don't really want to do that. But right, they are super fun. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that. Yeah, that's that. Let's let's get into the game split. I've talked for a bit, so what about Shin Megami Tensei Five is new? Uh, so Shin Megami Tensei Five, I was having fun with it for a good long while, right? And I've hit the point where I feel like the game should be over, but I also know from uh, secondhand knowledge is that there's like twenty more hours to the game. Oh gosh! And I'm just like, like every single game made today is like at least thirty percent too long. 
Like it, it over every single game overstays its welcome. You, you know what so I mean? So I have a yeah, I understand completely. Uh, I have a question for you because of that, because you had said that this was the best game you've played this year. Does this knock it down a bit, or is it still the best game you've played this year? I mean, like we're we're gonna do a best games later this year, but like you had stated before that this was the best. So, is it overstaying its welcome, lowering that, or or what? So I will say that outside of other things, it would not have been knocked down. I I still have a okay. lot of fun with it. I just need to take a break from it, you know. Gotcha. It has been knocked down because of something else, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> uh, okay, why, why don't we just go straight into that then? Because I had something else I wanted to say about uh, Shin Megami Tensei. Okay. Which is that there is a section of the game, and this is uh, this is also why I've like slowed down to a crawl with playing it. I'm in a section yeah. of the game called the Demon King's Castle, which is the first real dungeon of the game. Like, halfway through the game. And it it, it, it wants you to think that it's the lead-up to, like, the end of the game, right? But, uh, obviously... Our friend Raynar has played the game and beaten it, so I know how long it took him to beat it and what level he beat it at. Yeah, but he plays games, like, ten times slower than everyone else. Right! But it's still, like... <laughs> I, I know that there's a lot more to the game, you know? Okay. But the Demon King's Castle is the least interesting thing to look at in the fucking universe. It's basically just a giant platforming puzzle with, like, like enemies just kind of thrown in there. And it's all black and red. Just, like, the ceilings are black and red. The floor is black and red. The walls are black and red. I'm sick of looking at it. I play, like, yeah. I'm, like, three floors into it, and it's just the same fucking shit over and over. And I, what happens is, like, I play through a floor, and then I'm like, I'm done now. And, and then I come back mm -hmm. a few days later, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do more, I'm going to play more, and then I get through another floor, and I reach, like, th the third floor, and it's like, this is the same sh uh, I'm taking a break again. <laughs> yeah. So now well, I'm on floor and three, and... Uh, <laughs> we, sh we should talk some week about aesthetic choices in games like this because i can't think of a traditional bad guy that would have a boring like two-tone castle because <laughs> like most most bad guys are are out for something they're either utilitarian so it's all going to be like it won't be a maze with um you know, uh, all stuff like that. It'll be like a bunker that's pretty cut and dry and small or large enough for exactly what they need. Right. Or they're they're out there for, for like stealing things. And so you're going to have like art on all the walls and like <laughs> just gems everywhere because they want the fancy nice things. Or you're rarely gonna find a a final boss's dungeon that's boring looking because they're the ones in charge. It's it's all about them. Why are they gonna surround themselves with meh? 
Right. I mean, one of the one of the things I, I I'm comparing it to right now in my head is the uh, <coughs> the Shinra building in Final Fantasy VII, which it serves as like the the final area of the first disc, and also like the final like real area of um, the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the way it's set up is like Shinra's a corporation, right? So it's it's a giant skyscraper, and you can either like take the stairs, like walk all the way up the stairs, and, and like sometimes you you have to go through a through a, another um, floor in order to reach a, another set of stairs or an elevator. Yeah, yeah, like you're going through offices and shit. So it, it 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 feels like what you're attacking, whereas in the the Demon King's castle, it's just kind of like, why am I here? Because also, I don't even yeah. know who the Demon King is. I assume it refers to Lucifer, but it could easily not. Yeah, but I have no con. I've never seen the Demon King unless it is Lucifer. Um, mm-hmm. and if it's not Lucifer, I definitely have not seen them. So I, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was that was Shin Megami Tensei Five. Cool. What's uh What's overtaken it? Uh, Scarlet Nexus, the most JRPG oh, yeah, of all JRPGs. <laughs> so listen. <laughs> Listen, I, I've uh, we're we're gonna talk spoilers. I don't give a shit about spoiler warnings anymore. I'm so tired of spoiler culture. Don't don't worry. I won't be spoiled because I'm never going to play this game. Right. I mean, this is for this is for people who are listening. Uh, in the future, I am not going to give any kind of spoiler warning. I'm just gonna talk about shit because I feel like that's how things should be talked about. <laughs> so. So, Scarlet Nexus is a game wherein you play as either Kasane Randall or Yuito Sumeragi in the year 2020 in in a city called Suo. And you both of these characters have a psionic power called Psychokinesis. And they've been um what's the drafted into the OSF or the other suppression force. Others are these uh, weird abomination creatures that regularly attack the Earth from a a thing called the Extinction Belt, which which surrounds the planet and makes it, like, impossible to uh, leave the planet. Okay. It turns out that Yuito and Kasane do not actually have psychokinesis. They have... A power that acts like psychokinesis in its like like base form, but is actually called gravikinesis and allows the uh, the warping of time through something called the red strings. So that's cool. It is cool. So this is a game that has time travel. Um, also, also the extinction belt is formed <clears throat> by people on the moon. Fucking with Earth's gravity to draw all of the the other particles, which is what turns living beings into others. Uh, they they've like fucked with Earth's gravity so that they all stay there. So there's moon people, 
and there's like there's a moon person in your party who came who like was in cryogenic sleep for two thousand years. Uh, <laughs> um so there's that uh, other other powers include like pyrokinesis electrokinesis uh there's a there's a character with duplication there um hyper velocity which makes you move so fast it essentially slows down time uh teleportation and you can borrow all of these skills from the characters in your party. So you also get to use, like, duplication for a period of time or electrokinesis. That's cool. Yeah. It, it's really fucking cool. And there's there's skills you can get in the game you can unlock. that let, uh, Initially, it lets you use, like, two at once. And then you can get, like, four going at once. Mm. And, and some of them, some of them are like incompatible, so you can't use like pyrokinesis and electrokinesis simultaneously. But you can use okay. electrokinesis, duplication, and teleportation all at once. <laughs> it's Ugh. it's great, and you're you're constantly like picking up items on the field with your uh, psychokinesis. And throwing them at enemies. And duplication, like, duplicates the item that you're throwing. Or electrokinesis applies electricity to the item that you're throwing. So it's not just, like, your basic attack that's electrified. It's also the items you're interacting with. Uh, it's got a really fucking just fluid battle system. It feels great. Um, I love this game so much. And listen... It's broken up into chapters, the game, and between each chapter, the characters go to their hideout, uh, and, and this is where you can like spend time with your friends. You can you you can give them gifts and like do little bond episodes, which is like a scene between the character you're playing as and them. Um, <clears throat> and then this raises like their their bond level with you and increases the abilities you can get. From their their uh, specific kinesis, right? Mm-hmm. But also, the gifts you give them st- just appear inside the, uh, the the hideout. Like they're actually using these gifts that you're giving them, and and, oh, and then that's they nice. s- they start interacting with them. So, like, if you're playing as Kasane, you can give Yuito this giant like like mascot doll. And it it's so big that he you can find him just laying on it, just like hugging it from the top. This is one of the nice. main characters, and you're just looking at him hugging a giant like cute doll. It's amazing. And then there's the the character Kyoka who has the duplication power. You can look around the hideout, and sometimes she'll be duplicating herself to give herself a shoulder massage. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. It's just, it's great. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a character called Luca, who I gave, like, uh, some protein packs to, right? And I thought it was just, like, a box of protein packs, but it turns out it's, like, a lifetime supply of protein packs. So there's just boxes <laughs> stacked up, like, ceiling high next to his desk. And sometimes you can find him sitting on it. 
one time I was looking around the base looking for him and I'm like, I don't, where is he? I can't find Luca. Where's Luca? And then I looked over at his desk and like tilted the camera up and he's just up there chilling. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's great. Play this game. Everybody play this game. It's amazing. So I won't. Um, <laughs> I've been playing Destiny. Big shocker there. Yeah. Um, but we got a new content drop this week. Oh. Uh, Don't you get a, co- a content drop like every week? Not really. Oh, okay. uh, especially right now, the, the season is kind of in hiatus. We finished the storyline of it, so we're just kind of waiting till till the next little bit which is going to be at the end of the season and since this is a double long season that's going to be in february um but uh for those who wanted to to spend the money there was a uh 30th anniversary pack so 30 years of bungee and you can it was a a uh, secondary purchase you can make that unlocks a dungeon and some exotics and stuff in the game, but the six-man ma- uh, matchmate activity is is free for everyone, which is good. And it is so fun. It's it's a game show. <laughs> it, it's it, they you you get you get to join a paracausal game show that takes place uh, outside of space and time. And uh, you get dragged into this thing, and you go fighting these these enemies and spinning the wheel to see who you're gonna fight against. And uh, at the end of it, you've got dialogue the whole time. It's uh, at the end they they go, "Well, that's that's been this week on Dares of Eternity." <laughs> <laughs> Joining our contestants are you know. It's fantastic. Uh, the The whole theming of it is fantastic, and uh, this is thirty years of Bungie, so that means everything that Bungie has worked on is in this. You can get a battle rifle. So that's just from Halo. Halo. <laughs> yeah, you can get. You can't get the energy sword because that's a little too on the nose, but you can get a half of an energy sword. It's like a regular sword, except the blade of it is half of the energy sword. And it's called Half-Truths. And then you could get one that is on the other side, and it's called the other half. Uh, So if you were able to put them together, you just have a beam sword. Um, Of course, you can't for legal reasons. Um, Legally distinct versions of the beam sword. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you can get a a exotic that's it's just the the halo pistol from Halo One. That's it's just the Halo pistol. <laughs> that's that's what the exotic is about it is that it's the Halo pistol. Uh, and once you finish the catalyst, you can like use some of the ammo to create a frag grenade. So you just have another grenade. <laughs> So, like, all Bungie has ever made is Halo and Destiny, right? No, they also made Marathon and, um... Never heard of it? Myth? 
Um, Never heard of that. Yeah, they they made a, a bunch of smaller games. Um, Until they hit on Halo, and Halo blew up, and then they just became the Halo studio. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying Although to now they don't even make I Halo, right? Doesn't somebody else make Halo? Yeah. Um, oh, shit. Who makes it? 343, I think? Um, who makes Halo nowadays? Ah! Why can't I look it up easy? Uh... Yeah, 343 Industries. And they exclusively make Halo. <laughs> they've made everything since Halo 3. So they, they've made Halo 4, Halo 5, Halo Wars. Okay. Halo Infinite. You, you yeah. say this as if I know what any of those are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh... Bungie made Operation Desert Storm, Minotaur, The Labyrinths of Crete, uh, Marathon, Myth, Oni, and then they did Halo, and then they did Oni? Destiny. O-N-I? I feel like I've heard of that, or I've seen it's it. It's a third-person action video game, largely inspired by Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Yes, I've seen that on PS2 used shelves. Yep. Yep. Made by Bungie. Okay. For some reason, uh, I thought that was there's... like a Grand Theft Auto kind of thing. Why was it? Oh, because it's published by Rockstar. That's why. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, they so there's there's a lot of things not just from from Halo. That's what most the people know best but there's there's like shotguns from marathon and there's there's a whole lot of nods to their other um content any to own that it? they've made in the past i i wouldn't recognize it i see if it was <laughs> <laughs> there i i can almost guarantee that there is i just wouldn't be able to recognize it okay um yeah Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, and then then in, the other thing that they did is they brought back from Destiny One the uh, the exotic from Destiny One the the Jallerhorn. It's a exotic rocket launcher. It showed up, I think the either the first or the second week that Zer the exotic seller uh, was there. I feel and like you've told his, me about this weapon before. Yeah, it it was the weapon that uh, you had to have, like, on any LFG. Everyone was like, uh, you're only allowed if you have Jellerhorn because it's just going to instantly kill the boss. If if we have six people with it, we win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And exotics back in D1 were completely random. It was it was completely random for for them to drop. And, and that's mostly the same in D2. It's just a lot of times there's quests now that guarantee them. Um, but completely random and far and few between. 
like like it was you got maybe one exotic a season one or two and Zer showed up and, and he guaranteed like you could you had to grind for these strange coins and then you could buy once a week. Zer had a completely random selection of, of guns and armor and stuff that you could buy. Right. And it was either the first or second week of the game. So people don't have many strange coins. They only have enough to buy one thing. And Zer had Yellerhorn. And it's a power weapon. And at the time, everyone said, don't buy it, because you'd rather have an exotic armor piece that'll always work, or an exotic primary weapon that, again, you use those more often. So, But this is the, before the, the meta of the game came into being. Yeah, so the, the community of the game shouted out to the universe, do not buy this gun, it's not worth it. Why would you put an exotic in your heavy slot? And then Jallerhorn did not show up again until like year three in Zer's uh, <laughs> uh, wow. purchasable items. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. So they brought back Jallerhorn and uh, it's broken again. Uh, it's awesome. It's very fun to use. They'll fix it in a season or two. Right. Um, uh but they they added it as a quest, so you're guaranteed to have it as long as you purchase the 30th anniversary and you do the quest. And the quest requires you to do the new dungeon that they did. And spoilers for the dungeon, um, it's filled with traps and going in blind. I laughed myself hoarse <laughs> at all the times we were just walking around. We'd step on a, a pressure plate and then instantly die. And you just you're just walking around, and then guardian down. And you're like, ah, oh, that's look at the floor. <laughs> or you you pull a lever, and it's the wrong lever, and you instantly die. Um, okay, but cool. it's 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 this fun treasure hunt pirate adventure where you get to shoot cannonballs at things, and it's got this awesome jaunty music and it's got uh unique mechanics it's not like the past few dungeons that are just the same mechanics as previously um there's no stand in a circle or dunk an orb it's it's actually new stuff and uh i've already run it three times and i love it and i'd love to run it a hundred more times okay um so that's that's destiny tell me about melvor uh, not much to say about Melvor Idol. Um, I realized uh, I bought this because I was bored when I was editing the last couple of episodes, and so I did. <laughs> I wanted to do something in the background. Um, yeah. Uh, the Melvor Idol is supposed to be based off of like RuneScape, but it has like way fewer skills than RuneScape does. And ah. I don't know. I, I, idol games aren't for me. They're boring as shit, which I guess is why they're idle. <laughs> But I don't feel any reason to give a shit about what I'm doing, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, friend of the channel, uh, Narog, um, does like Melvor Idol, apparently. (laughs) 
I, I don't have anything I, to compare it to idle game wise, so I mean maybe it's a good idle game. But it's, I I went to look because uh, he does or or they do mostly idle games. That's they've almost always got an idle game open, and apparently that's the one they've played the most with uh two thousand two hundred ninety seven hours on record. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how. So, <laughs> yeah, you just leave it open. Uh, I guess. But the game runs yeah. closed. Like, you can just close it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, tell me about the Sword Art Online progressive movie. Yeah, Ari of Starlight. Um, went, uh, did not see anyone dressed up. It was very sad. Lame. You should have dressed up. You should have been the one. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> well, you know, I, I did go home after it and start looking up, like, hoodies. And I could get I could get a, um, a Kirito-inspired hoodie that's got, like, the, the, the way he looks at the, uh, the middle of Sword Art Online. So, I, which I, I could do that. I need Cosplay to ask, hoodie. I need to ask. Is Klein any more relevant in the fucking movie than he is in the anime? Well, here's the thing. Sword Art Online Progressive does not follow Kirito, per se. No? Sword Art Online Progressive is entirely written from the perspective of Asuna. Oh. It's an Asuna series. And that's that's something I was shocked at. I, I had taken... Uh, the day before, I went back and I rewatched episodes one and two of Sword Art Online because I knew that Progressive takes place in the first few floors of uh, of Einkrad, so those two episodes are the first floor of Einkrad, and then it jumps forward to like floor fifty seven or some stupid shit. Right. Um. Uh. So. I uh, I went back and I rewatched that just so that I could see, you know, if there were any differences when I watched the movie, and then watched the movie and it it doesn't start in Ninecrad like the other one does. <laughs> what? It's it takes place. It's like three or four days before they actually start the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, no, that I take that back. Uh the very beginning um because it mostly deals with asana and a school friend and their relationship um and the school friend is also a beta tester and so it starts out in the beta test for sword art online with this the school friend in like the last five minutes of of the beta test wait so was asana a beta Um, tester i don't remember that no no she is not it it, this takes place from the perspective of her friend um wait so does it switch perspectives then it it does so it it takes place mostly with with her for like the first five minutes and then it it focuses on asana for the rest um that's just a little bit of, of background to be like, hey, look, this character that you'll soon learn to know. Because you don't you don't even know that it's her at that point. It's just the last five minutes of the the beta test. Uh, and of course, Kirito shows up. Um, 
but uh yeah then then you you go through the sometime in between in the the lead up to sword art online and then um you get to see the the family relationship that asana has uh spoilers it's garbage <laughs> as it would i be can understand rich stupid rich fucking family like hers where they would like yeah. sell her off to somebody while she's in a coma yeah they're they're pretty horrible people uh the the mother particularly which i feel like is actually a stepmother or something with how bad they are like how little they give a fuck about her well-being like cinderella levels um, yes yeah no it's 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 a travesty um and then then you know sort of online starts and she gets in there and meets her friend and and then it's kind of a one for one with the um the big the the beginning of the first episode of sort of online there are so many shots that i was like wow they actually decided to take the time to remake that shot but it is still the same shot <laughs> they just up it <laughs> like it is a one for one for the shot it's just it looks nicer now right uh there were a, there were a lot of those shots for like the the bit with the the dm showing up uh the bit with um the meeting with all the other people who are about to go take on the dungeon uh and then then i had to go take a shit and i missed a little bit of the final boss fight but again i've seen it before um so what i'm hearing is that there is like no klein in this movie correct yeah klein (laughs) is i think you see klein for maybe less than a second as it's it's panning across characters in the um the the dm speech the big crowd shot when uh yeah and i don't think it's it's yeah, I don't think it's Klein. I think it's Klein's avatar. So, like, not actually the way Klein really looks. It's before that. Right. Um, yeah, you see, like, Kirito for an instant. And you're like, oh, oh, no. Maybe? No. <laughs> you'd, ha- you'd, you'd have to pause and, like, go through frame by frame in order to see Kirito in that opening area. Um, so is Kirito, like, not even in the movie? Now, Kirito shows up a couple times, and then for the last quarter of the movie, it's him and Asuna, um, and and it's them together. But it's it's mostly from the perspective of Asuna. Okay. So so let me just you know I'm not gonna go beat by beat through the story. Right. I will say that I loved it. Of course you did. My wife loved it. <clears throat> we absolutely loved this. It was it was actually a really good movie. Uh, it was really well done. And if you wanted to watch Sword Art Online, it is a better opening to Sword Art Online than the actual anime is. You could watch this and then pick up episode three of the anime. Listen, this is it pretty is... damning of Sword Art Online as a whole <clears throat> because those first like three episodes are the only good part of that anime. <laughs> it's it's really good um and and 
I'm looking forward to next year when another movie comes out because it's already announced that uh, Sword Art Online Progressive 2 the movie is coming out next year and I will be watching it in theaters it better have more Klein (laughs) (laughs) It, it might uh, we'll find out before then, probably, because uh, we're going to be reading the books soon. Oh, you're announcing it now. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so uh, uh, the first light novel book of, of 2022 will be Sword Art Online Progressive 1. And yeah, it, so go ahead and snag it. Yeah, because you need to, because it's 354 pages long. Yeah. This is, it's as long as a Tanya book. Like, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so excited. And it can't be as I, good. I am. It cannot be as good as a saga of Tanya the Evil. Like, like, you don't know that. I do, because I've read Tanya the <laughs> Evil. And it's, the, those books go hard. There's no way yeah. Sword Art Online goes, goes as hard. <laughs> You don't know that. I do, though. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I've seen the anime. Me too. Right. Okay. Well, John, I think it's time for some game facts. You're right. Now, I, I have been keeping this a little bit of a secret. Yeah, I don't even know what game uh, it's for. You're you're about to paste all the facts in, I guess. I am. I did not expect to find... I expected this to be a very short game facts because of the game. Like, I have the sequel to this. I played it a bunch growing up. But I didn't expect it to be 13 fucking facts oh, Jesus. about... Paperboy! Paperboy. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Paperboy is an arcade action game developed by John Sowitz, Dave Ralston, and Russell Daw at Atari, and released initially in arcades and later for the NES, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, and a dozen other less well-known systems. I am so jealous of people with good names like that. They are really good. John Salwitz. I wish my last name was Salwitz. Yeah. Or Ralston. Ralston. Yeah. And then Russell Daw. Like, that's... Amazing. His parents loved him. Yes. Russell Daw. Right. I mean, that's like one step below Russell Crowe. You know? You're right. It it is. (laughs) The, the, what what a couple of letters different and, and he'd have, he'd have been a fucking star <laughs> with a name like that he could still be a star he could <laughs> in paperboy you control a paperboy on a bicycle delivering newspapers along a street throwing newspapers into mailboxes and onto front doors of subscribers and through windows of non-subscribers, whilst avoiding obstacles. All right, here, here's where I have to ask. Have you played Paperboy or heard of Paperboy before now? I've heard of Paperboy. I have not played Paperboy. Okay. okay. 
Yeah, you get it's a it's a point based arcade game. So you get points for delivering newspapers, and you lose points if you um, do the wrong thing. Like if you chuck your your newspapers through the windows of your subscribers or cause property damage on your subscribers. However, non-subscribers, you damage the fuck out of them. Why? Um, why does the paper boy have a, why would he even deliver a paper to a non-subscriber? He doesn't get paid for that. Well, here's the deal. It's, um, it's, uh, he doesn't have papers to give to his non-subscribers because when you're a paper boy, you're handed, you're handed papers. It's a protection racket. It's a protection racket. The newspaper is a protection racket. (laughs) You either pay for the protection in which you get a newspaper, or you don't pay, in which case you have to buy new windows for your house. (laughs) Is this legit, or is this your interpretation of... No, that's, that's legitimately what the game is. Okay. You, you are told to do it so that you can convert non-subscribers into subscribers. Okay. <laughs> the arcade version controlled the character via a built-in set of handlebars designed by Doug Snyder, another great name, who is at the same time oh, yeah. developing the rollerball for Marble Madness. Yeah, so what we've talked about before. But not the not the rollerball for the movie Rollerball. No. No. Not that. No. There is not a designer mentioned for Paperboy. Only programmer, artist, coordinator, etc. Because Atari didn't come up with the game. Two years before it was released, Mark Caesar and Robin Hallingstad <laughs> sent Atari... Again, fantastic <laughs> names. All around, just fucking amazing names. Sent Atari a, de- a detailed proposal for a game exactly like Paperboy, but were shut down. They tried suing for part of the profits, but Atari basically said, Our lawyers are better than yours, so lol no. And the kids got nothing. But they do still love the game. I mean... They- Gotta love giant corporations. Yeah, fuck Atari. Atari can rot in fucking hell. Uh, Atari is rotting in fucking hell. I mean, that's also true. Uh, Atari doesn't still exist. But the executives for Atari at the time can rot in fucking hell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they're like, hey, you should make this game. And Atari's like, no. And then Atari, two years later, made their game. And then they're like, hey, that's the game we sent you. And Atari's like, yeah, what you gonna do about it? Our corporate lawyers are better than your one lawyer. (laughs) And they're like, well, I mean, you're not wrong. (sighs) Sad. But yeah, someone someone did an interview in the last couple years with one of the, I think it was Mark Caesar. And we're like, you know, how do you feel about that? And Mark was like, I mean, I haven't thought about Paperboy in 30 years. <laughs> and I'm still mad because it is the game I made. Right. But I can't be mad at the game because it's the game I made. <laughs> and But they so clearly did know that they were stealing it from somebody if they didn't include a designer credit. Oh, yeah. No. But, it's it's absolutely theft. Yeah. They were like, we can't, we can't say somebody else designed it 
because that would be a lie. But we can just not say who designed it. Yeah. Which is just fucked up. Just fucked up. Some of what little they could contribute creatively was unfortunately also shot down, as they wanted the paperboy to say, Hi, Dad, whenever they encountered the staggering drunken man obstacle. But Atari had them remove it. (laughs) I love this little fact. That would have been so fun. (laughs) Programmer John, artist Dave, and coordinator Russell all entered the design world with Paperboy and stuck together for several years making games together at Atari before splitting off into their own paths in life. This almost never happens. Uh, you're almost always, like, bouncing around to different things, or, you know, back then it was just one man would do everything, and and then it would... (laughs) Right, I mean, in the the modern-day game industry, like, you make a game with somebody, and then Activision Blizzard lays you off, and then you move to Ubisoft, and Ubisoft (laughs) sexually harasses you and lays you off. And then yeah, and then you're at EA, and you make a game and, for them, and, and they lay you off. Yeah, and then you go back to Activision Blizzard, and they sexually harass you and lay you off. Right. <laughs> and then you quit the but game yeah, no, industry it's, because it's fucking miserable. But yeah, the, it's it's bonkers to me, just because because this never happens. There's there's never these these crews that like stick together bouncing from game to game working together it's always just split up and and you know artist dave will work on one game with programmer john and then work on a different game with someone else but no they actually stuck together for the next three or four years wow okay john salwitz moved to ea hey there we go (laughs) <laughs> about five years after Paperboy and worked on the Medal of Honor series, you know, discount Call of Duty, before moving up yeah. to Senior Director of Development for the Sims series. He now works at Meta, Facebook's illegal new company name, so I guess he likes working on things that have been stolen from other people's ideas. <laughs> so tell me why uh, Meta is an illegal company name. Uh, so... I mean, the, there has not been a legal finding on this yet. However, there there is going around a, a letter from the Meta Company, which is a software design company, Uh-oh. that um, according to them, and this is hearsay because, again, there's not been a legal finding on it yet, and anyone can write anything on the internet, um, but that they own the rights to the name they're working on their on creating their product uh so it's they haven't even released anything yet but they own the name and uh they have been uh asked by facebook's lawyers multiple times although it was not told to them at the time they they were cagey about the fact that it was facebook for whatever reason um, I wonder trying why. to purchase the rights to the name uh, Meta from them. And uh, they were offered an amount and they decided that it wouldn't be worth all of the legal changes and all of the other things that they'd have to do. 
Um, you know, plus they've been working on building up a community around their company and then having to change it. They, you'd lose subscribers and stuff. It, it would it would not be profitable for them to change their name with the amount that Facebook would, would buy it from them. Uh, so they were asking for more. And then Facebook was like, yeah, no, we're just not going to pay you for it. And we're just going to use our media influence to crush your rights to this name. So two things about this. One, if Meta, the, the the software company, did exist before Facebook changed its name to Meta, um, then that's that's pretty cut and dry. Like they're both in the same industry space, so using the name is copyright infringement. Yeah, uh, that that's pretty cut and dry. Two is that. Nothing is going to happen on this front because Facebook is the one of the biggest companies in the fucking world and they yeah. have infinite money to throw at any legal challenge. A software company that has not made anything yet could throw at them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fuck John it's... Sowitz. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fuck that uh, whole although situation. Although I have gotten a I have gotten two text messages recently from different numbers that have the exact same thing saying, hello, my name is Cheryl Sandberg, the chief operating officer of Facebook. Nice meeting you. And they were assigned to contact me from the CEO of Facebook, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, about an online drawing of things. That's definitely real. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Oh, Dave Ralston worked on several movie tie-ins, including Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Disney Pixar's Ratatouille, etc., before completely leaving the industry to design his own ideas as a landscape designer. What? Yep. Yeah, he just, he completely left the industry. Uh. <laughs> okay. I mean, it kind of makes sense. He was, in a way, he already was a landscape designer. It was just video game landscapes because he mostly did backgrounds and, and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Russell disappeared, basically. It's impossible to find info on him, and he quickly disappeared after they stopped working together. So he must not have been contributing much and got figured out. Wombat's not going to read the rest of this because it could be a crime. <laughs> hey, uh, Russell, if you, uh, if you don't like what we said here because it was impossible to find out information on you and you don't like what we said about you, hit us up and we'll do an interview with you and correct it. Aha! Blackmail! Yeah, blackmail's a crime. <laughs> the arcade. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no legal blackmail here. <laughs> there's not. I know. <laughs> I, you, you couldn't, you couldn't say that this is defamation of character. <laughs> I mean, you actually, you actually could because it's a lot easier to do that with a a, a private individual, which he definitely would consider would be considered to be. Yeah. Now, if he was John Salwitz, 
there you could not get hit on de- defamation for fucking anything. John Salwitz works for Meta, which means he has uh, perpetrated or uh, helped to perpetrate genocides. Fuck you, John Salwitz. Yeah. Try and sue me. <laughs> the arcade machine was a huge success, selling over 3,400 units at $2,495 a pop. Adjusted for inflation, a total of $22,156,498. And was no chump for the owners either, bringing in over $4,000 in its first five weeks at some arcades. I like how you correct typos and and grammatical errors after they've already been read. (laughs) I mean, I, I save this for the future. So if if we ever need to go back and look at things or, or decide to post things online, I'd like it to be right. I see. Additionally, it spawned a sequel, Paperboy 2, released on both NES and SNES. Sega Genesis, Game Gear, Game Boy, and everything else that exists has existed and will <laughs> ever exist. It's one of those games that can be played on a toaster. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there, It's been in so many... PAX, Atari, uh, whatever. Right. It's it's everywhere. Paperboy is a fun game, though. I, I have it for the Super Nintendo. Finally, it was also a big enough deal it was featured in the hit movie Wreck-It Ralph. And it also was the impetus for an animated TV show called uh, Captain, uh, Buddy Boy. In Buddy Boy, a real-world Paperboy was pulled from our world into the video game world, where he teams up with... Mega Man and Pit to fight against King Hippo and the Eggplant Wizard. For whatever reason, Nintendo decided to change a few things and Captain N was born. There is, of course, still a news world where Captain N has to help the inexplicably all-Hispanic world's paperboy defeat Mother Brain and her hypnotic ink scheme so his deadbeat dad can get a job and Julio, the paperboy, can go back to school and learn to read. That feels racist. It is. It is very racist. I told that to my Hispanic wife yesterday. I was like, I I learned some some shit today. <laughs> yeah, it's like for whatever reason, it's a completely Hispanic world with a deadbeat dad and Julio who can't read as a paper boy working so that his family can survive. And <laughs> that's and who yeah that's yeah. so racist that's so absurdly <laughs> racist that's like, yeah it really is that's like if you fed an algorithm racism for two years that's what it would then come up with if you asked it to create a a thing that's accurate. <laughs> Do you remember that time they created like a a, a, a fucking Twitter algorithm to s- s- which time? Uh, the, the I mean, like the time it- Microsoft has made a a bot before, and they wanted to train it using this and it using Twitter, and it went bad. And uh, IBM tried to do it, and it went bad. 
And like, why? If I, why are you trying? If I remember correctly, it was the time Microsoft did it, and they they were doing it on Twitter, and it became a Nazi within a day. Yeah. yeah. But before yeah. 24 hours had passed, the this algorithm that was supposed to like follow a, a normal person's course through Twitter was radicalized into a Nazi in a day. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I love social media. I don't. I wish it would die. <laughs> most of these old arcade games have speed runs and high score holders for them. And most of the time, that's completely uninteresting. But the Grand Slam high score title holder, a Grand Slam in this case being the sum of a single player, single day, three difficulty scores combined, whatever the fuck that string of words means, for Paperboy is Phil Britt with a score of 1,136,435. Which many argue isn't even possible. Who is himself a game developer, creating the likes of The Lost Vikings, Clay Fighter, Claymates, the only one worth knowing, The Bard's Tale, as well as several more for Interplay. So is that like the old school The Bard's Tale, or is that the PS2 The Bard's yeah, Tale? That it's the, the, the old, old school. Okay. PS2 Bard's Tale, the Bard is voiced by Carrie Elwes. Really? Yes. Uh, of the Princess Bride fame. Carrie Elwes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we have one more fact here, uh, which uh, I didn't write down because I didn't have time and I didn't really want it out there anyways. Um... But the the fact is that, and it, and it's not about this. It's it's we're reaching the end of the season, and this is we have one more small talk about Captain N uh, in the future. But uh, we're not really talking about the show anymore after this one. And I had missed something very important, which is that. King Hippo had a love child with Miss Eggplant Wizard. What? What? <laughs> the fuck is that? So, at one point during the show, the Eggplant Wizard shows up a photo, or pulls up a photo of his wife and kids. Uh, and one of the little kids has a bandage on his stomach. And King Hippo has a bandage on his stomach. Okay. Because, and and this is because the creators of the show wanted to imply that King Hippo fucked Eggplant Wizard's wife. Uh, but it still just created another Eggplant Wizard, maybe? Well, yeah, but but it's it's got the, the bandage to show that it is from... The King Hippo. Okay. Why would you put that and in I there? I, I could not... I could not let that slide. Uh, it took me having, like, one... I, I, was, I was doing research, like, three weeks ago. And uh, I, I was trying to find a particular detail about Captain Nan and going through a bunch of things... And I stumbled upon a forum post of someone mentioning this. And I went, there's no fucking way. 
And then I tried finding an image of this, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I actually had to watch the show, uh. pause it, screen capture, <laughs> cut it down to the image. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, we'll, we'll post it when this episode goes live on, um, Instagram. Yeah. I mean, the little, little white eggplant has a bandage on his tummy because he's actually from King Hippo. Make sure to take a screen cap of King Hippo, too. And you know you enjoyed doing that. You fucking love watching Captain N. <laughs> You're right. It is fantastic. <laughs> it's the best show that's ever existed. I feel like it lives in the same space as Sword Art Online. <laughs> yeah? I see this because yeah. you love it so much. Okay, John, tell me what our thing of the week is. Open world game design! Okay! So, wh what what kind of open world uh, are we talking about here? You tell me! You're the one who put this on the thing! Alright, so listen, <laughs> I pulled this out of future topics, and I don't remember which one of us typed it in there. Uh, <laughs> me either. But I know it was a long time ago we were talking about linear game design. Yes. And... And I'm pretty sure you were the one who started that. Didn't we already talk about open world game design? We might have, but listen, we can do it again because I don't remember what we talked about. And nobody will. <laughs> nobody listens to this podcast anyway. They're not gonna know. Yeah, certainly not at this part. Right. <laughs> so, uh. so there's like there's a couple of different uh, open worlds to to talk about here. There's like a big open world, and then there's a small open world, you know. To to put it in the like, like smallest or small, the simplest of terms. To, <laughs> there you go. The, there's a big, there's a big, and there's a small, uh, and they can both be done good or or horrible. <laughs> yeah. So so an example of a big open world would be. Uh, Breath of the Wild. The the not Zelda Zelda game Breath of the Wild. It, it it's a okay. it's a big sprawling open world. You can go anywhere in it like almost uh, as soon as the game starts. You can just head in a direction and, and do things. Yeah. And, and there is like a, a a path through the game, but there there's actually like multiple paths depending on what you do. But, I don't know. Listen, what do you think about Breath of the Wild's uh, open world? <laughs> uh, having never played Breath of the Wild... Oh, I um, thought you had. No, I I actually have not. Um, and I'm, in general, not a fan of Breath of the Wild. Uh, I I don't think it's a good Zelda game. Something I've definitely never said here before. Um, <laughs> See, I thought you were saying it because you had played it. No, no, I've I have watched it uh, a lot 
because uh, we did a a stream of it where we played through the entirety of the game. Oh, but that was including all play. of the extra bits. Yeah, but I watched it, and you can gain things by, uh, you know, just seeing how yeah they are. But yeah, I I'm just not. I never really felt it was good. So it um, it falls into what I call like the Ubisoft open world kind of thing, which is where I'll agree with that completely. Yeah, yeah, you have like a big open world, and there's a lot to see and do, but none of it is interesting. It's all just like collect- yeah, there's- collecting bullshit that doesn't matter and fighting enemies that don't matter. There's there's a ton of content, but nothing matters. It's it's like it takes the worst parts of like Donkey Kong sixty four and Banjo Kazooie, and mixes it with uh, the worst parts of like Far Cry. Yeah, and it's it's even got Ubisoft towers in it, like yeah, the the viewpoint yeah. thing from Assassin's Creed or the radio towers from Far Cry. Yeah, that kind of shit. You just climb yeah. a thing and it unlocks a, a section of the map, and that that's it. And it's not interesting no. because a game that I actually want to compare it to is Horizon Zero Dawn. Did you ever play that one? No, because it's a PlayStation only, and I don't think it's on PlayStation Three. No, I think it's on Steam now, though. Oh, yeah, I could be wrong about that's that. That's an option. But uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it on Steam. But uh, Her- okay. Horizon Zero Dawn is also a big open world. Um, and it does have kind of like Ubisoft Tower things. But they're a little bit more interesting in that they're giant robots that are... Uh, uh, unlike a lot of the robots, they are not hostile towards you. But they are moving. So you have... Not only... You don't just climb the tower. You have to find a way to jump onto a part of the robot that is available to you oh. at the t- at the time when it's passing by. So there's a little bit more of like a, gotcha. a thing going on with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of the quests that it takes you on, like the quests will take you all over the world. But... Yeah. They're all, like, very in-depth character-based quests. They all tell, like, a, a, a story about somebody or multiple somebodies. And, and it just... Yeah, whereas, like, Assassin's Creed is... there. There's technically a through story, but in general, it's just a ton of mini-quests that don't progress anything yeah uh, about characters you don't care about who have no development over the course of the quest yeah whereas in horizon zero dawn like a character starts out in one place and ends in a completely other place and sometimes aloy herself starts in one place and ends in a different place like Mm -hmm. aloy is a very like good character for that kind of game because she's very like fluid in her personality I I guess 
like she, she yeah. she's, a, she's able to grow and change over the course of the game rather than like starting at one point and just being that forever which yeah. is what kind of happens with a lot of open world protagonists because you're not allowed to like change outside of the main story mm-hmm. and, and the reason i mentioned the uh like donkey kong 64 and stuff is because yes donkey kong 64 is a collectathon. there are a ton of meaningless little things you can collect uh-huh. just like banjo kazooie there are a ton of meaningless little things you can collect that you know you want to because you'd love to get a hundred percent but you don't have to to progress the story it doesn't do anything and for you. there is a story like it, it uh, say what you will about donkey kong 64 and banjo kazooie it's open world yeah like there's little worlds it's a bunch of little open worlds but it is an open world game once you're in an area you can do whatever the hell you want there's quests that get you things and and that's i'm using that very loosely because there's a puzzle to solve that'll get you a thing but (sighs) you're not just going to get a thing by walking around It, it is a thing you have to as a player choose to do to work towards to get the thing which is the definition of a quest um so like it's uh, but with that you're constantly unlocking a new area or unlocking a new ability that progresses your character moves you along into furthering the storyline banjo kazooie is all about working your way deeper into the lair to get towards um the gruntilda um banjo tooie you're actually progressing through main hubs as well you are you're literally getting closer to her it's not just a matter of like powering up yourself to get there you're literally getting closer to gruntilda until you're finally at her tower and you can climb it and kill her um donkey kong 64 is is constantly a a path of unlocking new areas with the final goal of unlocking the final lock and the giant lizard so that he can help you defeat king k rule there is a story every time you are progressing you succeed and get yourself closer to a final goal in that story whereas in breath of the wild there you are go do things yeah it doesn't matter you don't even have to you can turn around and fight the boss literally right now right um and and while that's cool it's it is conceptually cool of like yeah you could go fight the boss right now it's also why is the rest of the game there <laughs> yes it, it's like why am i doing but, the rest of this shit if i could just end the experience right now yeah and and that's like a a game in general a story is a progression from one point to the end uh, and, and I, like, Banjo-Kazooie will do that. You get more skills that you need to over time through different areas, meeting friends and stuff, until you get to the end, when you can finally beat the boss with the abilities you've gained previously. Everything that came before was necessary. There were little bullshits that you didn't have to do, like collecting all the Jinjos or collecting all of the notes, but they were fun and they were a thing you could choose to do whereas 
in Breath of the Wild, there's a fuck ton of crafting materials and stuff that don't matter at all. There's all of the little shrine quests, again, don't matter at all. Yeah. I mean, they, they give you a permanent buff to your character, but you can turn around and beat the boss at any time. Uh, you can go up and fight against the four dungeons that are like half dungeons because they're so short and there's not really a whole lot there. And they're also and less of a dungeon then, and more of just an extended boss fight. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, here, go to these three areas and press the button and then fight the boss. You have to do mini puzzles to do that, but... They're just small puzzles. It's it's less than a shrine in many cases. And then you get to fight the boss, which makes the final boss easier, but not by a whole lot. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a difference of do I fight this boss now or later? Because if I fight them now, then I don't have to fight them later, but I could just go fight the boss right now. I'll have to fight these bosses then, but I can just do it. Then, like it, it makes like, it easier there's, there's no, in that you don't have to do a boss rush. Yeah. yeah. That that's that's it. And I think there's also something to be said for like where a game decides to put you on an open world map. Because a, yes. a game like Breath of the Wild places you in the center of the map and says you can go any direction you want. Do what you do what thou wilt. That shall be okay. the whole of the law. <laughs> yeah it turns out link is a satanist <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh a, a game like horizon zero dawn or the uh, the first two fallout games will put you in a corner of the map and they'll have you work out, mm-hmm. out from that corner so that there's at, at, especially near the start of the game there's pretty clearly a path to go along and, and because yeah. there's a path at which, the start, which is, there's more of a path going forward. Mm. So they're they're technically more linear than a true open world like Breath of the Wild is. But also, people say that they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of people are not the biggest fans of Breath of the Wild. That it's. It's not on the top of the the best Zelda games of all time list. Um, yeah, I think that and, spot is still largely held by Link to the Past. Well, I don't know. Is it is it a Link to the Past or is it Ocarina of Time? Because mostly I hear people talk about Ocarina. Well, of Time. I think it's a Link to the Past. But, it depends on if you're more into a two D Zelda game or a three D Zelda game. Two D Zelda fans yeah. are always going to put Link to the Past at the top. And 3D Zelda fans mm-hmm. are always going to put Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask at the top. Yeah. But, I uh, like, I... It's never going to be Breath of the Wild. Very... Uh, no, it's not. Breath of the Wild... It's not, it's not ever. Breath of the Wild is the favorite Zelda game of somebody who came into Zelda with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, from Ubisoft. <laughs> I 
it's just so there, there there are lots of decisions to make with open world game design i think breath of the wild does a great job at making the game truly open world you can truly go do whatever you want including finish the game immediately however i think it makes for a bad game yeah like it does uh, it does what it wants to do right but that it, it games like fallout new vegas and stuff where it starts you in in a corner with a uh <laughs> in a corner surrounded by cliffs that you have to go in a single direction in order to get out of progressing along a path that will level you up and get you to the point where you can actually be in an open world and know what the game is um yeah that that's that's a an open world game but it has a linear beginning yes and New Vegas actually does it even more interesting than I think a lot of other games do. Because it does kind of put you near the center of the map. But it makes the enemies in every direction except one so impossibly fucking strong for when you would leave that town. That there's really only yeah. one way to go. Yeah. And and also, like, the map design is pointing you in that direction. Yes. Like I said, you're surrounded basically by cliffs. You can climb them. You can get around them. It's 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 just hills. But you're in a valley with hills all around you except for one direction. And, and bugs that are like 20 levels higher than you. <laughs> yeah. Fucking murdering it's, the shit It's out definitely of you. telling you which way to yeah. go. I don't like Fallout New Vegas, but it is a good example of an open world game that has a linear beginning just to get you into the game. And and I guess you could say that Breath of the Wild forces you to go through a tutorial up on the, the plateau. That so barely that can, counts. It barely counts. Because and as soon as you can yeah. get off the plateau, like, you can go anywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. And it, it doesn't even really tell you where to go. It's like, hey, go. Yeah. <laughs> you're like all right well the only thing i know i need to do at this point is kill ganon i mean it, which is right over there so <laughs> like even the style that breath of the wild does i think is done better in a game that also is not perfect final fantasy 15 <clears throat> because 15 kind of like locks you into one side of the map for a little while like the first chapter of the game is in one side of the map because there's yeah. blockades on the highways leading out. But then once you finish that, like, like you do what you, you can in that little area, which also has a bunch of stuff you can just walk over and do. Like, the the mm-hmm. world opens up into, into the larger area. And, and you can go wherever yeah. you want, really. But but even then, like it, it pretty clearly lays out constantly a path for you to go along, just by the nature of the highway system and driving the car. Because you're never going mm-hmm. to be just walking from place to place because that's absurd. You're going to be yeah. driving along the highway, and when you're doing that, you're going to inevitably run into the places the game wants you to go. Yes, and I think that's that's part of the issue here is is with a a completely open. If you're really going to, if you sit down and your game design document says open world game design and that's all it says, uh, then if you're making a purely open world game, you just 
you make Breath of the Wild. Right. That there, there's there's nothing telling you to go any particular way. Any way you go can be done, and it doesn't matter. Uh, because if you make something matter more, then the game becomes falsely open world. In that there's a hundred thing places you can go, a hundred things you can do, but none of it matters until you go to this one place and do this one thing. Whereas... In something like Banjo-Tooie, it doesn't matter which of the things you do. You just have to do three of them, and then you can go on to the next place. Right. You you can do any of the five things in this area you want. You just have to do three you, of but them. But, like, what's... You have to do three of them so that you can move on. <laughs> you can do all five. You can do two. You'll just have to do one more. Yeah, it's just like... it. Before you could go somewhere it's else. It's the difference between having a structure and having just an idea. Yeah. So if you have that of like, you know, hey, you can go anywhere in this area and do anything. But if you want to progress the story, you have to go do this one mission. That's an open world game. But it's it's a linear game housing itself in an open world game. Uh, a better way to do it would be like, hey, you can go any direction you want to. And depending on which direction you go and which thing you find first will lead you to other things. So like, hey, I'm going to go right here. That will put me into a story quest that that has me going in this direction, doing things in this way that will help me in the end. But you can choose which way to go, and and there's no problem with doing that in any way. But it's it's difficult to make a an open world game that's a actually open world and b fun yes now this is where we get into the other kind of open world game because i think this solves minecraft this solves a lot of the problems in it uh a smaller open world so okay this this is best exemplified in the yakuza series so the yakuza series okay yeah for sure largely takes place in like one section of like one ward of Tokyo. That's now a ward is pretty big, but we're not talking Breath of the Wild big. Yeah, we're talking about like a few blocks, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and like the whole the whole game takes place within these few blocks of the game. But they pack so much into it. Yeah, every single one of the buildings in those blocks is open for you to go in, has interactable things, and also a lot of story in it, too. Plus, you have a through story. Like, you you have a story that you are following through it all. You could go in any place you want to, but, like, you do have a single story. And it also makes sure to clearly tell you where the next story beat is going to happen, so that if you don't want to do it, you can ignore it, and just keep doing all the little sub-quests all around the town. Or you can just go do the thing and and yeah. get it over with. It, 
it creates the feeling of I can do whatever I want, but I also know how to not. Mm-hmm. And and it never takes too long to get from one place to the other. Like you can start no. at one end of Yakuza Zero's map, for example, and within two minutes get to your objective on the other end of Yakuza Zero's map. Or you could yeah. take three hours to do it because there's fifteen subquests available to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are. <laughs> Or you could even take, like, eight hours to do it because you also feel like doing the real estate minigame or what the fuck ever. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much bullshit. But you don't ever have to do it. No. Like, you could just play through Yakuza, a a Yakuza game, and ignore almost all of the subquests. You're you're playing it wrong, then. You are. But you can. Yeah. And it's it's not just because like there's con- content there that you're missing. No, because that's where the game is. Yeah, because that's where they're having fun. Yeah. But if you if you've never played a Yakuza game before, you're playing through this like gritty like kind of like film noirish Yakuza story in the main story. Yes. And then the subquests have you do things like help out a BDSM dominatrix become better at her job and then spy on her while she she helps one of her clients so you get to watch like a whole scene play out with some fucking accountant saying like i'm a little piggy oink 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 (laughs) yeah and the 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 disco dancing and like there's so much yeah You, you you really have to get into the game you can recruit a chicken to be one of your real estate managers (laughs) Yes. A chicken named Nugget. This is just reminding me that I need to play all of the... Yakuza games? (laughs) The games. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're mostly on PlayStation. Listen, actually, you can get Yakuza 0 and then Yakuza Kiwami 1 and 2 uh, on PS4, right? Oh, but you don't have... I don't have a PS4. You don't have one. I mean, yeah. if you've got a PS4, a, you can play the whole series because there's also, in addition to the Kiwami games and Zero, there's also a remastered trilogy on PS4. Okay. So that's like 3, 4, and 5. Okay. And then you just get 6 and, and like a dragon and you're done. <laughs> I, say, I said that like it's so easy. It's like nine games yeah you just just get these nine games and then you're done right but they are they are all on ps4 so if you wanted to play the whole yakuza series you can do that on ps4 yeah all right well i think what we've basically come down to is that uh open world games could be good but they aren't um very and often. they would be better if they were small Yes, like cut down your open world size. And, I don't care that you have like yeah fifteen and, kilometers and also, for me to explore. I want interesting things in that fifteen kilometers if you have it. Yeah, open world is cool. Open game is not. Make it more linear. Uh, you you have to have uh, unless I mean like shit like GTA. Yeah, it's an open world game. And I don't mean the storyline. I mean, like, GTA Online or just fucking around in GTA. It's just an open world game with nothing really for you to do. Just fuck around and have fun. 
that's a completely different thing. We're talking about a game that has a story, which most games do. Yeah. If you have any amount of story in your game, that story better be fucking linear. <laughs> Make it have multiple branching paths of linearity. Like, you can go one way and you have a different story, go another way and you have a different story, but have there be a story in a path. In any path you and take. Actually, like, or, or make it so that it is linear and you can do a thing, but like you can also fuck off and do other shit, but that there is a place that you can go do the thing. One last game to bring up, actually, because there is a way you can do a massive open world and do it correctly. And that is, do, it, uh, do a Xenoblade Chronicles. Because Xenoblade Chronicles starts you out at the bottom of a giant fucking, like, like <clears throat> weird creature. It starts you out on, like, the foot, and, and you work your way up. And each area is, like, huge and, and open world, and it has a set ending. Like, like, it has a point that leads to the next area. So you can spend all the time you want exploring this area... But there is a point where you have to reach the end and go to the next. And then the story happens. Mm. But like it, it yeah. keeps you it keeps you going. It lets you spend as much time as you want in each new area. But it never hides the fact that you have to move on. You have to and there's one way to move on. Mm-hmm. So do it like that. Like Xenoblade Chronicles is a great game and it's hugely open world and lots of fucking quests and shit to go on, but it doesn't feel as overwhelming as like a Breath of the Wild does. Or as pointless. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, John, who do we share this with this week? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. Share this with someone who still reads an actual paper. Like, not the online one. The the, the actual paper. What, are you, what paper. are you talking about? You know what a paper is, right? A newspaper? Oh, a new, I, I see. Okay. Share this with somebody <laughs> with a local newspaper subscription. <laughs> yeah. Hey, actually, actually, if y'all want to really do that, take out an ad in the newspaper for Glowing Weak Point and send us a picture of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've never even thought to do that. What if I did that? That's that's amazing. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love this idea. But, yeah. Uh... Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, it means a lot to Rate us. Rate and review us. Uh, follow us on a platform that allows you to follow. Uh, email us. Check all the, the links in the description of the podcast. Bye! Goodbye! <laughs>